Hi, I'm Matt Fowler, the senior pastor of Kearney First United Methodist Church, and we're trying something new this season of Lent with a short podcast. It's conversation uh, in which I'm seeking to draw in conversation partners in terms of books and weekly preaching to create space for reflection, space for transition, a space for moving from one thing to the next in our days, a space in which we can linger in the season of Lent. This past Sunday, February 25th, I preached on the Lord's Prayer as one way that Jesus teaches us to pray. And we find that in Luke 11 and in Matthew 6 in various versions. But there's the things that we didn't say during the worship service that could be useful and informative uh, and instructive for the Lord's Prayer to become our prayer as well. After all, while it is a prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, He offers it as an instruction for His disciples, for us. It's helpful just to think about ways we might pray this and let it be instructive for us. In Patricia D. Brown's Paths to Prayer book, there's a section on the Lord's Prayer that offers some interesting information Sometimes we might think that Jesus had created this prayer out of nothing or uh, from his connection with the, the Father and the Spirit. Uh, and while that might be true in some sense, the other sense is that he was uh, compiling excerpts from different Jewish prayers that existed at the time that he was teaching his disciples how to pray. Uh, So there are different sections from the Kaddish or the small Kaddish. There are other sections that are related to the Jewish grace after meals. And there are parts of the prayer that come from or are repeated in the worship service for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And so there are ways in which this prayer is uh, Jesus's bringing together of a rich prayer tradition in order to teach his disciples of every age how we might approach God. And we talked last week a little bit about learning by heart. Uh, So as we go through Christian formation, there comes a point in which we can pray the Lord's Prayer by heart. But it's interesting, Patricia D. Brown also notes that C.S. Lewis wrote about a prayer practice having to do with the Lord's Prayer. He thought he created this practice, uh, and so he would call it festooning a prayer. He would take a a written prayer from the tradition uh, and expand its lines. Now, One of the conversations that has often been interesting is some people will ask me, well, why do we pray this prayer? Because it's not in the Bible as it is. We have uh, the Lord's Prayer is a different in our praying of it than it is in either Matthew or Luke. And at other times, people will ask, well, why do we pray the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed? Or why would we pray the... Wesleyan covenant prayer, because these aren't in the Bible. Uh, But I think it's interesting that Jesus takes these prayers from uh, different sections of prayers in the Jewish tradition and then 
offers them as ways that we can pray. So he gives us a model for using the resources we have available to us through our tradition, and then to let them be a start or a path or a guide through which we experience God. So C.S. Lewis festoons the prayer, and that's something where we could start with uh, saying part of the prayer and then expanding on it. Father, hallowed be your name. And then we'd think about how God has been holy uh, and seen as holy. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we might say, continue in our own pondering and prayer about how we've seen God's kingdom come in Jesus and in our lives, and also ways in which we sense the Spirit inviting us to be participants in God's kingdom-making. So if we treated the Lord's Prayer with this sort of playfulness as a pathway into our deeper prayer and reflection, we might find it's a useful tool as well as just something that we say on Sundays or when the pastor says, and let us pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. One of the other interesting things about this prayer uh, was in Robert Jensen's book that he wrote with his granddaughter Solvig Lucia Gold called Conversations with Poppy about God. So Poppy is grandpa, and this young girl quizzed her theology professor grandpa about uh, all things theology and God and faith. And when they were talking about the Lord's Prayer and it said, give us this day our daily bread, uh, she said, well, that reminds me of communion. And he asked, well, why does that remind you? Some people would say that it does. She connected daily bread with the bread that we share in worship, uh, which is also really unique because the word daily here in the Greek is a word that scholars haven't quite figured out uh, how to translate best, uh, but it relates to uh, the what we'd say is the super essential stuff. Give us the super essential bread, and it means of being uh, of the the most importance. So sometimes the super important or super essential bread might be the physical things that we need in our lives. And so we pray that God would give those to us. Uh, But in another sense, the things that we think of as most essential are maybe an abundance of God's Spirit uh, and uh, the fruit of that Spirit in us. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, one way of understanding this and leading us into deeper prayers to say, God, I need more of you. I need more of the fullness of you in uh, my life and in our lives. And as we turn toward this coming Sunday, one of the ways that we experience in our congregation the fullness of God responding to us and God giving God's self fully is in our practice of communion. So in our tradition, uh, all are welcome to participate in communion, particularly those who are invited or those who seek to love God and to repent of their sin and to experience fullness with God and one another. And we believe that in some mystical and holy way, God gives of God's self fully in communion. So I invite you, as you're coming uh, from this space into a space of worship this weekend to know that we celebrate communion every first Sunday. Uh, And there are interesting traditions that we don't often talk about that some United Methodists and some other traditions talk about when we receive communion. So some folks would, as they're coming up to receive communion, they might pray, 
As we, your people, come to this table, refresh and strengthen us for greater service to you. And so something like that could be on our hearts and would be our prayer as we walk up the aisle. And then after receiving, we often say, thanks be to God. Uh, But we might also pray, God, I've become a vessel in which your fullness now dwells. Help me live well as your vessel as I go into this world. And so whatever language becomes natural to us, those are, that's the spirit in which we seek to receive and then respond to God giving of God's self fully, our daily, our super essential bread. Next week, we'll talk about breath prayers and a few ways that we might make prayer a regular part of our practices of each day in small doses. But this has been our Lingering in Lent podcast series, a ministry of Kearney First United Methodist Church. There are conversations that build from and lead into the Sunday sermons, which are also available on the church's podcast streams. Peace be with you.